You are listening to the Growing Up Rock podcast with Stephen and Hollywood. From all of us here at GUR headquarters, congratulations on making it to five years. It's a miracle. Now, crank it up. Hello everybody and welcome back. In today's videos we will talk about the 5 reasons you keep seeing 555. So let's get right into it. Number 1. Pay attention to your feelings. Showing you the number 555, your guardian angels strongly urged you to pay close attention to your recurring thoughts and feelings. Something is on your mind and you most likely have to make a decision soon. The number 5 symbolizes personal freedom, versatility, motivation, and progress. This number is here to inspire us to stay true to our values and live our lives according to those values. Master number 55 represents freedom, determination, and confidence. Those who resonate with this number tend to always be looking forward to life and planning new ways to reach their dreams. <laughs> Sonny, so it's August and we're about to get into our birthday extravaganza. But what we're doing different this year than in the past years is it's our birthday. So we're going to celebrate not one, but two full weeks of our fifth year in existence. Can you believe that we've gone five years without killing each other? Like I've said before, we don't see each other every day. That's what helps because the five days I spend with you on the boat are excruciating pain. <laughs> and speaking of five, that's what this episode and the episode next week is basically all about. We all know that Sonny Hollywood Pooney loves him some numbers. That son of a bitch likes some numbers. He should be a mathematician. But the beautiful mind and Sonny Pooney came up with this concept of Let's celebrate our fifth year with the number five. So for this episode, we're doing When Rock Ruled the Charts, but we're doing it for May 5th, 2005. Do I have all that correct? Correct, because that date would be 555. Five, five. There you go. 
888-528-5555. And we like to do these episodes because it's just a good time when we do the Rock World the Charts episodes. I really enjoy doing them because we get to look at what was happening on the charts at the time. It looks like the charts this time around, we're going to be looking at albums versus actual songs, correct? That is correct. And uh, I got a beef too that I'm going to share here. It has really nothing to do with the episode. It just, uh, the numbers reminded me. Okay. I thought maybe it had something to do with us. Maybe it was a beef about us. No, no, no. (laughs) So today, to celebrate our fifth anniversary, I had myself a bag of plain M&Ms. Okay. Okay. I opened that thing and today, for some reason, I felt like splitting up all the colors and eating one color at a time. (laughs) Okay. And I realized that the distribution is not even in a bag of M&Ms of the colors. Uh So I went to the web and found out that the distribution is supposed to be in a plain bag of M&Ms, 24% blue, 20% orange, 16% green, 14% brown, 14% yellow, 13% red. I got 25% blue, 14.3 orange, 26.8 green, 8.9 brown, 5.4 yellow, and 19.6 red. Okay. What the fuck? Okay, first of all, you got issues. Second of all, it seems like every time I get a bag of regular M&Ms, there's some sort of promotion going on with it, and there's different colors in it. Now, primarily the last bag I had, uh, which is just one of those single normal uh, little bags, it was mostly blue. I don't remember getting any red or yellow. There were some brown ones and there were a couple of green ones. And that was pretty much it. So I would say their percentages are all over the place. Well, I had a big problem with it. And since we have a person that's very, very close to us that happens to work for M&M's, they got an earful today. So I will be expecting a package of M&M's delivered to me to make right for it. <laughs> oh, God. They're going to spit in that bag for sure. <laughs> all right so before we get into this birthday extravaganza celebration you know as with all episodes we got to do this it's time for the crank it up new music spotlight All right, so for tonight's Crank It Up New Music Spotlight, we are going to be spotlighting the band Madhouse. They showed up on my top 10, I believe, last year. They're getting ready to release another album called Down and Dirty, which is being released on July 29th. So by the time you hear this episode, that album will be out there. Again, the band is Madhouse. And the single that we are going to play from this record is called Love is Blind.
Okay, so the riff is crunchy, chorus is catchy, feels very 80s. That vocal is meh at best. I'm going to give the album a shot. But man, they really like polished up those vocals and put a bunch of effects on them, and it still didn't catch my ear right. Well, for me, when you talk about sleaze bands, sometimes the vocalist tends to get on my nerves after a long period of time of listening to it. With this band, I actually like his vocals because it's borderline. It's sleaze, but it's not so over the top and whiny that it bugs me. This band is from Austria. The last record, the record that made my top 10, Bad Habits, I thought had a lot of great stuff on it. It's just, I really like their riffs a lot. They're just crunchy, hard rocking band. And so the albums are usually great start to finish for me personally. There's not a whole lot of slow points and ballads on the records. This next record, Down and Dirty, has 12 songs on it. The band consists of Tommy Lovelace on vocals, get this, on guitar and backing vocals, Mickey Sticks. Not Nicky Six, but Mickey Sticks. <laughs> Tommy Black on guitars and vocals, Ricky D's on bass, and Casey Jean Eisman on drums. Sonny, we might want to think about changing our names to something catchy like Mickey Sticks. What do you think? There's some names you're going to hear later that I like better. Okay. All right. Well, I can't wait to get into those. But anyway, again, band is Madhouse. The song is Love is Blind. It's coming from their third studio album, Down and Dirty, which is out on July 29th, which has already passed us. So go out there and pick it up if you dig what you are hearing. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. Okay, so as we talked about, we're going to talk about May 5th, 2005, basically the date you would list as 555 to celebrate our fifth anniversary. Pretty easy. So normally on these episodes, we travel back in time, look at all the rock and hard rock acts that were on a chart. This time we're doing Billboard 200 and basically take a trip down memory lane on this very... We'll just call it interesting date. So before we start a chart conversation, in the world of music, basically our hair metal and hard rock is dead in 2005, or at least it's not on the charts like it used to be. Grunge is already dead. MTV is basically just doing reality shows. And Napster has already pissed Metallica off. Metallica pissed them off back, and they've changed the entire music world. So that's kind of what's going on in the background, I guess. Yeah. How old are you on 555? Oh, God, Sonny, you ask me this every time and I have to do the math and I can't do the math and we've talked about it. I'm not good with math on the spot. I don't know. My guess is 39 or 40 years old because I'm 35. So you're either 39 or 40, I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm 39 if you're 35. That's correct. Where are you living and what are you doing job-wise in 2005? Uh, 39. I'm living here in Atlanta. I'm off the road. By the time I'm 39, I'm working in logistics for a huge electronic corporation and I am just going through the motions nine to five Monday through Friday and getting ready for my 40th birthday which was a big huge family bash down in uh, uh, Mexico. Yeah for me I'm still in the Bay Area. I'm days away from leaving the job that I was in to start a new one which ends up being my first district manager job. Nicole and I have been married, get this, five and a half years, 5.5. Gotta love that. And my kids are 10, 4, 2, and 1. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> no sleep. No sleep. And oh my God, what a what a 20 years it's been. Okay, so here we go. We're looking at the Billboard 200. Just remember that, 555. We're going to talk about rock acts. Some of these might be a stretch to rock, but, you know, it is what it is. And by some, he means a lot. <laughs> well, no. See, at some point, and you and I have talked about this before, when you're looking at these charts, is it rock, hard rock? Eh. So then I kind of go into, all right, is the guitar plugged in and is there distortion? All right, close enough, move on, right? <laughs> if I end up getting like 60 or 70 to talk about, then I'll maybe put another filter in there to get it down to like 50, right? So that's kind of what I do. That's why it's like, eh, you just don't know. But I think most of what we're going to talk about is some level of rock today. Yeah, except as always, when we get to the top 10, we do the top 10 as they are, which contains everything. That's right. All right. So the Billboard 200 has 200 albums. 555 at 198 is a band called Sanai Beach with their album Immersed. It basically hit at 198, and that was the peak of this band. <laughs> Christian metal band from Riverside, named after Mount Sinai, where Moses supposedly was given the Ten Commandments. Didn't know that till two days ago. <laughs> band disbanded 12 years later. They only had two full albums, one EP, and Immersed, this album, was their best-selling album. Never heard of them before, and after listening to a few songs on this record, uh, I know why, because it's very metalcore, and the vocal was a tough listen. Next, Three Days Grace, with their self-titled album. It had gotten to a peak of 69 and been on the charts, get this, 81 weeks. So it's hard, first of all, to be on the charts 81 weeks no matter what. Being between 69 and 195 and never getting higher than that, I think that's even tougher. So Three Days Grace from Canada, formed in 97. Still going strong, by the way. Yeah. Seven studio albums under their belt. This album was their debut album, staying on the chart for two years, like we said, and double platinum, by the way. Uh, their next album, which was called One X, released in 2006. That one went triple platinum. There were four singles off this album. I Hate Everything About You, which I thought was the Ugly Kid Joe song, but it's not. Just Like You, Home, and Wake Up. The first three all hit the Billboard 100 charts in 2003 and 2004. That's what kept the album going. I basically describe these type of bands as alternative rock. That's what it is to me, but reality is this album, meh, to me. Next, we have at 178, our beloved Billy Idol with Devil's Playground. So he'd only been on the chart five weeks, had already peaked out at 46, and was already on the way off the charts. So that was a quick five weeks, by the way. Billy's sixth studio album. He has eight total. Also, now you got to think about 2005. We're 20 years past Rebel Yell and White Wedding and Dancing With Myself. You know, the only single off this album was Scream. The band members at this time, you still got Steve Stevens, but he only wrote three out of the 13 songs. You got Derek Sherinian, who was just on the album, didn't write much. And then you got Brian Tishy, who wrote eight out of the other songs, including the single Scream. So what's weird about this album, Devil's Playground, is for 2005 Billy Idol, this album's a little raw, right? It's not super polished, so that was surprising to me. At number 170, we got Good Charlotte with the Chronicles of Life and Death. This album had hit number three. Wow. Maryland, Good Charlotte, formed in 96 by twin brothers Joel Madden and Benji Madden. They've been on a hiatus back and forth, but they're active nowadays. Chronicles of Life and Death was their third studio album. They have seven total. This album went platinum, charted the highest, but their best-selling album is the one before this one, which went triple platinum. 
the singles off this album, I Just Want to Live, which was the only one that charted on the Billboard 100, the title track, The Chronicles of Life and Death, and We Believe. Again, these guys are just alt-rock to me. Now, this album has a lot of different flavors, but most Good Charlotte that you hear usually basically sounds the same. And then at 164, we have Corn with Greatest Hits Volume 1. Topped out at number four, by the way. Bakersfield, California, these guys were super popular in the mid-90s. You know, you kind of got that new medley, alternative metal mix. That stuff got a lot of attention in the 90s. They had six Platinum Plus albums, which includes a five-time Platinum one. So the record company decides to release a Greatest Hits album. This album has all the songs you would expect if you're a Korn fan. It also has a cover, Word Up by Cameo, which was the only single that was released. And it also has a cover of Another Brick in the Wall by Pink Floyd. Now, to me, the most hilarious thing on this thing is it's named Volume 1. They actually thought they were going to have a Volume 2? Dude, it's Korn. Seriously? (laughs) Wouldn't a more appropriate title for this record be called Greatest Hit? Did they even ever had a hit? I like that. Greatest Hit. One. <laughs> that not volume one, just one, right? I mean what what would it have been? Freak on a leash? That's I, it. You know, I, I got the life, maybe. I don't know. That that band yeah, whatever. Okay. <laughs> anyway, you want me to give my two cents now, I'm assuming. Yeah, so that was the five albums that I want you to think about. Give me your favorite. My favorite out of these, none of these I normally listen to. I guess I got to go with Good Charlotte because of all the songs that I had heard, there wasn't a lot of great Billy Idol songs on that album. So I think I got to go with Good Charlotte. How about you? I'll go through the records real quick. Sinai Beach, I'd never heard of. You mentioned what Sinai Beach is. Are they a Christian band by chance? Yeah, they are. Okay. I mean, I listened to it. Meh. Three Days Grace, they fall into the same category as like Alter Bridge for me. There's all these bands that I don't dislike. I just don't like them because I don't know them and I don't have the time to spend with them. I did listen to one song that I actually liked quite a bit from that record. And it was, uh, I thought it was called move on or something. I thought that was a decent song. Devil's playground by Billy Idol. This was actually a record that I picked up because it was so cheap to see what he was doing these days. And I really like this record. I know that that's kind of like you said, there weren't that many good songs on it. But to me, Super Overdrive, World Coming Down, Sherry, Scream, uh, Romeo's Waiting, I thought was really good. There's some really good songs on this record to me personally. And I actually listen to this record every so often still today. It is raw, and I'm a little bit surprised that uh, Steve Stevens didn't have a bigger hand in writing on this record. I wonder why, which is kind of weird to me. The Chronicles of Life and Death, Good Charlotte. I don't know this record at all. Was the record before this that did so well? Is that the one with Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous? Yeah, I'm thinking so, because that album was called The Young and the Hopeless, so I'm thinking so. Yeah, so I like several Good Charlotte songs. I actually think that the Madden Brothers are pretty good songwriters because they've done some solo stuff on their own without the Good Charlotte name on it. And I actually thought it was some well-written stuff. You know, Good Charlotte's not a band that I dislike. It's not one I listen to often, but there are a handful of songs that show up on my playlist every so often by them. And then Corn, I kind of already, I kind of already tipped my hand on Corn stuff. It is just. It's meh at best to me. I mean, there's some of it that's okay. For me, out of this group, the Billy Idol is an easy uh, album for me because I like that record. In the devil's playground with an idol mind. Straight up, ready to go. Announce the time. 
So let's go with the next six, going back to the charts. We're going to go to number 163, the Rolling Stones with Jump Back, the best of the Rolling Stones. So it's 2005. We're at 40 plus years for the Rolling Stones. They're still selling out stadiums hell today. Flat out one of the most successful bands of rock history, no doubt. This album was actually released to the entire world in 1993, except for for some reason the U.S. didn't get it until 2004. So the compilation has songs spanning from 71 to 83, and it includes the hits like Start Me Up, Brown Sugar, It's Only Rock and Roll, Wild Horses, etc. In the 90s, the Stones weren't really that active, so I'm thinking that this 2002 to 2005, when they started kind of coming out again, this was all part of their like comeback resurrection type thing. At number 161, we got the BLS Brothers with Mafia. By the way, this album got to the top 20. You know what? I didn't even ever think... That Black Label Society had a top 20 record in the 2000s, but they did, which is great. We've spoken about BLS a lot. Obviously, we love them. We got a chance to talk to Zach uh, on our podcast. That interview came out at the beginning of October, so just check the podcast feed. Mafia was the band's sixth studio release. Had the singles Suicide Messiah, Fired Up, In This River, which are all awesome. And to date, this is still Black Label's best-selling album. So on this album, you have Lomenzo on bass. You got Noonan Mocker on drums, and Zach is doing everything else. At 140, we have a band called Shinedown. We haven't talked a lot about Shinedown, but I enjoy some Shinedown stuff with a record called Leave a Whisper. This thing, again, it'd been on the charts for 55 weeks, but peaked out at 53. So think about, like, it's hard to stay in the middle of the charts. You've got to have some pretty good singles to kind of keep that going. This is a Jacksonville, Florida band founded by singer Brent Smith. They just celebrated their 20th anniversary, by the way. This was their debut release. Lasted on the Billboard 200 at the end for almost two years. Alm went platinum. Had the singles Fly From the Inside, 45, and the Leonard Skinner covered Simple Man, and Burning Bright. Shinedown's weird for me. It, dictionary definition of hit and miss. Like, the songs I love, I absolutely love. And the songs I don't like are almost unlistenable. But it's never got to do with Brent. Brent could sing the phone book. It's usually the melodies for me. At 134, we got Chevelle with This Type of Thinking Could Do Us In. This album had topped out at number eight. These guys are from Illinois. 2005 was the band's 10th anniversary. 
and they started to see some band member changes. This is their third studio album. They got nine total, including a release that just came out last year, by the way. This album went platinum. They have two in total platinum. The singles were Vitamin R, which hit the Billboard 100, but if you listen to that song, I have no idea why. The Clincher and Panic Prone. You know, basically these guys, they're alternative rock to me. Some people call these guys metal. I don't think they're metal. At 128, we got Theory of a Dead Man with Gasoline. This thing, <laughs> it peaked out at 58, was on the chart four weeks, so it almost was off the charts three weeks later. And I'm not too sure why, because Theory of Dead Man actually had some success later on. These guys were formed in 99 in Canada. They're still around. They got seven studio albums. Gasoline was their second. But you kind of said it earlier. To me, like Chevelle, Shinedown, Alter Bridge, Theory of Dead Man, Three Days Grace, Good Charlotte, they're all basically cut from the same cloth to me. So it just kind of shows you what music was ruling in 2005. They released six singles off this album to try to keep it going. So No Surprise, Say Goodbye, Santa Monica, Hello Lonely, Better Off, Since You've Been Gone, Never heard any of them till two weeks ago. And I actually like some Theory of the Dead Man stuff. And Brent Fitz actually played drums on this album on all but one of the songs. So it's just Theory's weird, right? Some people don't like them because they start getting like slow and whiny. And I think it turns people off sometimes. And then the last out of their six, we're at 122 with a band called Switchfoot. The Beautiful Letdowns, the name of the album, had been on the charts for 108 weeks. So now you're at two years plus. You peaked out at 16, and you're still at 122. I don't know why Christian bands were getting so much love at this point in life, but Switchfoot is one of those guys. Brothers again, John and Tim Foreman. They started in 96, still kicking. This was their fourth studio album. Previous three were a little more raw. This one was a little heavier, a little more polished. So I think people seem to like it because it sold double platinum. Released six singles off this album. Meant to Live, More Than Fine, Gone, Ammunition, Dare You to Move, and This Is Your Life. And I had not heard any of those songs until a week ago. And they were all boring to me. So I don't know how this thing lasted two plus years. So out of these six albums, I like the Theory of the Dead Man record somewhat, but nothing touches Mafia. How about you? <laughs> the reason Christian bands were doing so well at this point is because everybody was praying for some good music to come out. <laughs> and I think they were also praying that people's legs and feet didn't hurt. And they were touching <laughs> legs. And that's an inside joke for you people. Maybe someday we'll tell you what that was. Yeah. All right. So Rolling Stones best of, in my opinion, I don't know that you can go wrong with the Rolling Stones best of because they've got so much material out there. If you're even a casual Rolling Stones fan, that's sort of the way to go. I did that. I mean, I don't own every Stones record that was ever out. I like the Stones a lot. I'm a little bit more than a casual fan, but I like them a lot. So I went out and purchased this three-disc greatest hits thing that had just about everything that I want on it. So you can't really go wrong with the Rolling Stones greatest hits. It's good, especially uh, spanning that period of time. Mafia, Black Label Society, I've said it before, between Mafia and Blessed Hell Ride, that's probably one of my favorite Black Label Society albums. I love this record. It's got so much on it. You can't go wrong with this record. Leave a Whisper, Shine Down. So you're going to hear this from me a lot based on this chart. There are tons of bands on this chart that are in that zone of, I don't hate them. I don't love them. They're just kind of there. They're meh. I hear a couple of songs. I like it. 
but I don't really spend much time. There's nothing that, that I hear from any of these bands that I'm like, oh my God, I got to go seek this out. It's not like that. So Shine Down, Chevelle, Switchfoot, Theory of a Dead Man, all of them are in that same thing as Three Days Grace, uh, Good Charlotte. Uh, there are some songs, like I said, that I really like from Good Charlotte. So I don't know if I put them quite in that category. Chevelle is just slow and sludgy to me. I've seen them live. Not really my bag. Out of these records, it's pretty easy for me. I mean, look, The Stones' Greatest Hits is great, but nothing touches Mafia for me on this little uh, group.
So the next five are very interesting <laughs> in totality. Not that the other 11 haven't been so far. At 119, we got Velvet Revolver with the album Contraband. So this thing had peaked at number one. This band, you know, it gets a lot of conversation. It lasted six years and two albums. Okay, I get it. You got Slash, you got Duff, you got Matt Soren, you got the guy that nobody knows. His name is Dave Kushner. And you got Scott Whelan. Okay, I got it. They got a lot to do with it. But to me, their songs are like, the hit rate is like 50-50. Contraband was the first album, sold double platinum, but I really only like about half the songs. The singles were Set Me Free, which was on the Hulk soundtrack in 2003, Slither, which charted the best, Fall to Pieces, and Dirty Little Thing. If this album had 13 Slithers, dude, I would be all over this album, but it just doesn't. It gets too weird sometimes. At number 99, heaven forbid, we have a rock rule the charts between 82 and basically life, and Motley Crue ain't on the goddamn chart. <laughs> but Motley Crue's there with Red, White, and Crew because they know how to stay on the charts. So Greatest Hits peaked out at number six. They're at number 99 right now. So where are we in crew history in 2005? Well, they've been together 25 years. They broke up with Vince. Vince is reconciled. He's back. Tommy left in 1999. He comes back for this album. They've released eight studio albums. Dr. Feelgood sold the best. They haven't toured in five years. So I'm guessing Mick needs money because for some reason that dude always needs money. So they released this Greatest Hits thing so they can tour on it. They released that 38 songs spanning their entire career at that point, sells platinum. They had five songs on it that weren't released yet or any time before. If I Die Tomorrow, Sick Love Song, which were both released as singles, Street Fighting Man, which is the Stones cover, I'm a Liar, and Black Widow. All five, meh at best. So am I talking shit about this release? Yeah. Do I own this release? Yeah. Why? Because <laughs> I'm stupid. That's why. Because I'm a completist and I got to have all the crew shit for some reason. But I have it. It's sitting right over there. I could go look at it if I want to. The big comeback in 2005 was Motley Crue. Mick Mars, Vince Neil, Tommy Lee, and Nikki Six put all their differences aside for the carnival of sins. The boys proved that 80s style rock was still high in demand despite radio in most markets leaving them for dead. The band sold out arenas and amphitheaters across America during the year. Motley Crue split the show into early material and later material with a short intermission in between. Tommy Lee and Nikki Six told us the biggest obstacle in getting the tour together. Finding the right midget. Yeah. That, that, that was hard. We, we actually had to have a um, midget audition. Yeah. How wrong is that? Yeah, what, you can't blow fire? Next. Yeah, I mean, with a midget, he had to be able to blow fire. Ride a unicycle. Yep, juggle. Juggle. And uh, every once in a while, give us a ride. Yeah, give us a ride. <laughs> and be wild, hang out. So we got, we got the right guy. So that was the start. Yeah. So does the band have plans beyond the Carnival of Sins tour reunion? I don't know. We always take everything sort of one day at a time, because that's just how we roll. <laughs> Nikki and I have uh, our recording studios uh, out here uh, on, our, on our tour buses, and we're going to, you know, I'm sure, uh, you know, write some music and just kind of just keep things rolling. Yeah. You know, we'll see what happens. Motley Crue is not on tour in vain. The band was out promoting a new best of compilation featuring a handful of new tunes, one of which was written by pop punksters Simple Plan. Let's go to a couple albums I don't own. So, number 68, we got Breaking Benjamin with We Are Not Alone. This thing had peaked out at number 20. 
So back to the alternative rock, right? Heaven forbid, it's 2005. That's, we can't get too far away from it. Uh, Breaking Benjamin was formed in like Wrighty's backyard in Pennsylvania in 1999. We Are Not Alone is their second release. Spawned three singles. So Cold, which topped out at number 76 on the Billboard 100. Sooner or Later, which cracked it right at number 99. And then Rain, which it didn't chart. Now, Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins guess on one track, it doesn't help. The album went platinum. I have no idea why because I don't get this shit. Like, I couldn't get through one song on that album. I, I don't get it. I, maybe I'm missing something. At number 67, we got Slipknot with Volume 3, The Subliminal Verses. That's hard to say for me. This thing had topped out at number 2, had been on the charts for almost a year, and is still in the top 100. They're celebrating their 10th anniversary at this point. Now, whether you want to call Slipknot shock rock, new metal, alternative thrash, groove metal... They're somewhat unique. You know, I don't love it all, but the band definitely has a groove at times. I think what happens is like Corey Taylor has some pop sensibilities and sometimes it kind of seeps through the band. Now, if the drums on this recording are real, which we know the Vinnie Vincents of the world didn't always make them real, then Joey Jordanson is absolutely killing it because the drums are nuts on this album. This is their third studio release. It's one of their four platinum albums out of their six. They had five singles, Duality, Vermilion, the Nameless, The Blister Exists, and Before I Forget, which Before I Forget was their best-selling single off that album. And the last out of this five, My Chemical Romance, comes in at number 56 with three cheers for sweet revenge. Again, this thing's been on the charts 33 weeks. It peaked out 45 and is still at 56. So there's something about these, and this one's more like an emo-type band, right, than alternative rock to most people anyway. To me, that's kind of tomato tomato but for whatever reason these type of bands just kind of keep hanging on the charts what's different about mcr though they have this little bit of a raw punk feel they kind of stuck to that the other bands like them didn't really stick to this one's their second studio album they only got four in total two out of the four went triple platinum by the way this one including three singles were released i'm not okay i promise thank you for the venom and Helena, which charted the best. All three of those songs, I listened to them the other day. Meh. <laughs> so, interesting group of five. Some yuck, some meh. And I guess I could go with Crew because me, the idiot, went and bought that damn album. But I think I'm going to go with Velvet Revolver because I really don't want to pick a greatest hits when it comes to this stuff. How about you? <laughs> All right. We'll start at the top with Velvet Revolver. Uh, I love this debut record. I like both Velvet Revolver albums and in fact i think every time we end up playing velvet revolver on this podcast i go why don't we talk more about velvet revolver or why don't we play more velvet revolver i mean i i like it every time i hear different velvet revolver tunes i like it so i don't have much to say about them the red right and crew record i don't think i even own this greatest hit i own the one with uh, primal scream on it uh when they released that that's the one i own i can't remember decade of decadence that's it I don't need Motley Crue Greatest Hits record because I basically own all the records. So there's no reason. I even own that piece of shit, Generations Line. So yeah, it is what it is. Breaking Benjamin, this is a band that I'm not really that familiar with. I don't own any of their music. I saw them live. They still play Sheds, so they still do pretty decent business live. I see they headline a lot of festivals on certain nights and things like that. I mean, I saw them live. I don't hate them. I don't like them. They're another band that falls in that category for me. It's just kind of there. So that's the deal with them. Slipknot, I've seen. I've heard it. I don't get it. 
I don't like it. I don't get it. It sucks to me. It's just, it's just, <laughs> it's just, I, I don't get it. I mean, I get the shock rock thing. I get the people are, are enthralled with it, but to me, I got to have music. I mean, if Kiss's music sucks, I don't like them either. So I don't care about the show really. If the music sucks, it's gotta at least be decent music for me. First and foremost, Slipknot, I don't get. My Chemical Romance is an intriguing band to me. I've heard many people talk about their lead singer as being kind of a, a rock star type. I don't know a ton about them. There's a couple of songs that I've heard that I like. They're just not a band that I seek out all that often. I think I'm going to have the opportunity to see them live sometime this year. I think they're playing the arena that I work at, so that'll be interesting. I'll have a chance to experience it firsthand. That's pretty much it. For me, it's a no-brainer. Velvet Revolver Contraband is my record of choice out of this group.
Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. So let me just take a split second out of this birthday bash episode and thank all the listeners for five great years. Thank you guys for listening to the Growing Up Rock podcast. Hopefully in some little way, Sonny and I have provided you a little bit of entertainment while you're riding down the road, cleaning the house, or sitting by the pool. We're idiots. We like to talk rock and roll, and we appreciate you guys listening to us do exactly that. So if you guys want to help out the podcast, you can do it in a really simple and easy way. Just hit that link for Apple Podcast or Podchaser and leave us a five-star review because it really helps us get the name out there and get heard by more people. And that's what it's all about for us because we enjoy doing this. And as much as we enjoy doing this, it just isn't as fun if nobody's listening. But luckily for five years, you guys have been listening. And once again, we appreciate it. Now back to this episode. Insurance said my truck accident was worth $2 million. Car crash, call Salino. What's your case really worth? Call and find out now. Injured, call Salino. 800-555-5555. So the next five, we are at the Billboard 200 for 555, so May 5th, 2005. And we happen to be at number 55. With Papa Roach getting away with murder, it topped out at number 17. It's been on the charts now for 34 weeks. So these guys are Bay Area brothers, formed in Vacaville, California, which is like a half hour from where I lived there. And I remember in the mid-90s, man, they were all the talk, right? They were like the next big Metallica type thing that was going to hit. And I remember trying some of their music going, okay, they sound angry. Like, so what? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't get it. They go on to release 11 studio albums, this one being their fourth. Two of them sold platinum. The singles off this album are Getting Away With Murder, Take Me, and Scars. And Scars is actually their best charting single ever. But I think the only song we ever hear on rock radio is Last Resort. So they are who they are. At number 48, we got the mighty Guns N' Roses. So they release the greatest hits. It peaks out at number three. Um, it's been on the chart. A greatest hits has been on the chart for over a year and still be in the top 50. Unbelievable. All right, so... Let's talk about one of the most overrated bands in history, Guns N' Roses. It's 2005. Band's been broken up since 1994. Axel's been off the road. In 2001, he schedules 30 shows. He plays four, not 14, not 24, four, one, two, three, four, and canceled the other 26 <laughs> because supposedly Buckethead was sick. Now, depending on who you believe, Buckethead says he wasn't sick. So I don't know. 2002, 2003, he schedules 40 shows, plays only 22 of those, cancels for a bunch of reasons. So it's 2004, Geffen releases this greatest hits, and it goes five times platinum. Unbelievable. Okay, who's not happy about this? Well, actually, Axel, Slash, and Duff all sue Geffen. They all lose. 
Because Axel's like, hey, you can't release this right now. I'm releasing Chinese Democracy in a couple of months. That didn't come out for four or five years. Slash and Duff are scared to death that it's going to take focus off of Velvet Revolver. and But they both lost in court. And these are all the hits that you would normally get. And there's no unreleased material. So how the hell is it five times plat? I just don't get it. I, I don't get it. Hollywood doesn't get it. But does Hollywood own it? That would be a yes. Why? Because Hollywood is a schmuck. At number 29, we got Three Doors Down with 17 Days. This was a number one album. So Three Doors Down is from Mississippi. It's 2005. They're celebrating their 10th year anniversary. 17 Days is their third studio album. They got six total, by the way. This was their last platinum release. The first two albums sold 11 million total in the U.S. alone. So obviously, Three Doors Down was ultra hot at this point. They released five singles, Let Me Go, which was the only one that hit the Billboard 100, but it broke the top 20. Behind Those Eyes, Landing in London, which has Bob Seger featured on it, Here By Me, and Live For Today. I enjoy some of the Three Doors Down stuff. And listening to this full album, though, they can kind of get boring at times. So I think most of the songs I like by them are off the first two albums. Then we get to a band called Garbage. An album called Bleed Like Me debuted at number four. They've been on and off active since 93. They're from Madison, Wisconsin. Bleed Like Me was their fourth release. They got seven total studio albums. Two of them went platinum in the 90s. Bleed Like Me was their best charting album, but it didn't even sell gold. They tried four singles, Why Do You Love Me, which charted on the Billboard 100 just barely, and it was the last garbage hit to chart. Bleed Like Me, which is the title track, Sex Is Not The Enemy, and Run Baby Run. So I don't know much about this band, and how do I feel about them? Well, you know, the band name basically says it all for me, because straight up garbage. <laughs> I could not listen to it. Talking about garbage that I couldn't listen to, at number 11, we have Mudvayne with Lost and Found. This debuted at number two. Mudvayne debuted at number two. They'd been around 10 years. We thought we were done with them. They left in 2010, never to be heard from again. And then a year and a half ago, they come back on the scene for some reason. So this band's got five total studio albums. This is their third release. It's the second one to go gold. So they got two gold albums. And they actually have a platinum album, too. Unbelievable. Four singles. Determined. Happy, question mark, which I answer no. But it cracked the top 100 somehow. Forget to remember and fall into sleep, which if I could fall into a deep sleep by listening to Mudvayne and that would be the end of my life, that would absolutely make sense. A brutal album to listen to. Brutal. So out of this five, which it is a rough five, and I'm not going with GNR. I guess I'll go with Three Doors Down because it was boring, but at least it was listenable. I'm <laughs> sorry I put you through the pain of these five albums. <laughs> All right. Well, there's going to be some surprises here for you there, Poonie. <laughs> All right. So Papa Roach getting away with murder. Papa Roach, once again, falls into that same category. I've seen Papa Roach live. I don't think they're bad. They're kind of rap metally. You know, some of the stuff I've heard, I think is pretty good. They're pretty good live. They're actually a high energy band live. Papa Roach is kind of the docking of alternative metal because they never seem to get more popular than a certain level. They're always sort of the opener. I saw them on three band bill with bands like asking Alexandria and some other band. And they were like the first of three bands or something. So 
I don't know if they ever really like attain the success that they expected from that band, but they've had their success, their own success. Guns N' Roses Greatest Hits. I don't own this Greatest Hits because I had all the Guns N' Roses records. And like Sonny said, ditto on the fact that they're the most overrated band in rock history. Three Doors Down. I have the first Three Doors Down record with all the hits. I had no idea that they had any success outside of that first record. Sonny said they did. So, okay. But I've never heard any of it. So I don't know what to tell you about Three Doors Down. They're listenable, like he said, but... You know, I'm not breaking down the doors to get to them. I'm not breaking down three doors down to get to them, I guess. So garbage, Bleed Like Me. I'm not really that familiar with this particular record, but I actually like garbage. (laughs) Yeah, we know that. We know what you listen to. (laughs) So I don't know what to tell you, Sonny. Uh, This band consists of Shirley Manson, who I think is somewhat sexy, and Butch Vig, who made his bones as a producer, right? Butch Vig was a huge producer when it came to bands like Nirvana, who Sonny doesn't like, but uh, we can argue that they had much success. So he made his name in that category. He had this band, Garbage, with Shirley Manson. She's also an actress. She's been in a few movies. I just like a lot of the melodies in this band. I have that first album, which I think is a really good record. I've seen them live a couple of times. They're decent. You know, they're just kind of a guilty pleasure. I, I don't know what I'd classify them. Pop alternative, maybe. I don't I don't know. Pop rock alternative. Mudvayne. That's a pile of shit. I, <laughs> this, this is a band that I they can go with the slipknots of the world and just go disappear somewhere. I don't get these bands. I don't know why people like these bands. There's no redeeming qualities for bands like Mudvayne and Slipknot, for me personally. Uh, if you love them, God love you. Good good on you, but they're not my thing. And that's that's just it. So, yeah, no thank you. Uh, for me, it's the garbage record, because I breeze through this garbage record, and there's some songs on this I like. I'm just not that familiar with it, but uh, I like garbage as a whole. So, there you go. So getting to the top 10, and it's an interesting top 10. It is 2005, so we're going to go with it. At number 10, 3-6 Mafia presents Choices to the Setup. So I thought this was a movie soundtrack. It's not. 3-6 Mafia is a hip-hop group from Memphis. Okay, This is their seventh studio release. Now, I don't know anything about the group. You may not know anything about the group. But here are the members. DJ Paul. Juicy J, Koopsta, Lord Infamous, Gangsta Boo, and Crunchy Black. It's probably all you need to know about this band. I want one of those names. Gangsta Boo sounds like me right there. Is it Gangsta Boo? B-O-O? Yep. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) That is fucking awesome. So (laughs) Juicy J is sort of a name I recognize. If I'm not mistaken, I think Juicy J did a remix or a song with Katy Perry. Maybe Dark Horse was the name of that tune. I don't know. You can look it up. But for some reason, that rings a bell with me. Juicy J did Dark Horse with Katy Perry. You're sure it wasn't Koopsta or Crunchy Black? Uh, I'm positive it wasn't any of them. Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, three, six mafia, I'm guessing is very gangsta rap because, you know, it's mafia and I don't know, three, six, maybe that's the street that they come from. I have no idea. And I'm not going to say anything negative because I don't want to get caught in an AK spray down <laughs> at my house. So uh, I'll just leave that at that. <laughs> Next. That's that would be profiling. That's not good. Anyway, um, let's talk about the next four and then I'll get your thoughts. So at number nine, we got Now 18. It had capped out at number two. This is one of those compilation albums we see every year that usually includes like the past year hits. Yep. So this 2005 one had U2, Gwen Stefani, Snoop, Destiny's Child, John Legend, Nelly, Hoobastank, Chevelle, Three Days Grace, Lenny Kravitz, Good Charlotte, Keith Urban. I mean, you know, it's got hits on it. That's That's how it is. At number eight, we've got... Green Day with American Idiot. This album went to number one. The quintessential Green Day album, the one that defines them for life. Sold six times platinum, had the singles American Idiot, Boulevard Broken Dreams, Holiday, when Wake Me Up When September Ends. The album won the Grammy for Best Rock Album. It was nominated for Album of the Year but lost. You know, the hardcore fans will say Dookie is the album. But mm-hmm. I think you asked 100 people that know Green Day – what album did they release? American Idiot comes up more than Dookie does to me. You know, that's an interesting question because as you were saying, the album that defines them, the first thing I thought of is really, we're just going to ignore Dookie because that record was huge. But I think to your point, American Idiot is the one that kind of had the crossover effect and not only kept some of their old fans, but gained this whole new audience because I mean, let's face it, they have like a Broadway show that's based on American Idiot. So what does that tell you? Yeah, it created mass appeal, right? Yeah, yep. So at number seven, we got The Killers with Hot Fuss. This was the peak for them. Vegas Band, they just celebrated their 20th anniversary. This was their debut album. They've released seven in total, including uh, last year they released this album called Pressure Machine, which was all right. Hot Fuss was their best-selling album. It went triple platinum, had the single Smile Like a Minute. All these things I've done, somebody told me in Mr. Brightside, which the last three went to the Billboard 100 and Mr. Brightside cracked the top 10. I've seen them live twice. They were awesome. And then at number six, which also was the peak for her, Gwen Stefani, Love Angel Music Baby. By the way, if you don't know, Gwen Stefani was born 11 days before me, is still ultra hot, just like me. Can I get it? Can I get an amen? Can I get it? This was her first solo album after all the success she had in No Doubt in the 90s and 2000s. And this is the album that has Hollaback Girl, which went to number one, sold five times platinum. So if you had to choose a favorite out of 3-6 Mafia, Now 18, American Idiot, Hot Fuss, Love Angel, Music, Baby, what would you pick? For me, I'm going with a killer's record. For me, it's probably American Idiot. I like that Green Day record quite a bit. I have it. So I don't know. It would be between that and the Love Angel music, baby, because I also have that record. It has Rich Girl and Hollaback, like you said. I mean, that's got some good stuff on it as well. You know, it's interesting to me. So let me just share a couple of stats, because I know you love stats, with you on The Killers. So I knew The Killers was fairly popular, but I don't own any of their albums. I know a few of their songs. So I said, well, when I saw Hot Fuss on on your chart, I said, let me go see what's on that record. Okay, just like you said, it had a lot of the big hits, uh, Mr. Brightside being one of them. I looked at this record and I'm like, oh my God. So Mr. Brightside 
has 1,454,575,316 streams. That song, Mr. Brightside. I mean, holy shit. Now, I know that there's like Beyonce songs and stuff like that that have a billion streams. But I said, well, let me think of like an iconic popular song and go look at it. So I decided to go to Bon Jovi's Slippery When Wet to look at Living on a Prayer because that's an iconic song, right? I wanted to see what in comparison a song like that had. And it had somewhere in the neighborhood of 900 million. So it's not quite to a billion streams. This song has surpassed a billion and is up to 454 million. That's just crazy to me. I mean, that's unbelievable to me. And they've got several songs on this album. All the things that I've done was at 245 million streams. Smile Like You Mean It, 120 million streams. Uh, Somebody told me 512 million streams. I mean, is somebody just putting their player on play and letting it play overnight? I mean, that's crazy to me. Yeah, I think what happens, and I think if we were to go check the streams on all of these songs that we're talking about that hit the Billboard 100, if you think about it, so Napster dies a quick death, and Apple Music is coming, and Spotify is coming. These are the bands that probably were on those type of platforms, ASAP, and then you're talking about the age of the the person that's into these bands are totally into the technology, and the Apple iPhone is around the corner. So I can imagine that these types of bands just absolutely killed it right out of the gate because it's just it's lightning in a bottle at that point. Yeah, wow. Right, which Kiss fans, I, I still run into Kiss fans with Spotify. I'm like, God damn, dude, come on. Are you serious? <laughs> right, so, but I talked to somebody yesterday that, a rock fan, that had never heard Miles Kennedy. They don't know who that is. I'm like, wow. <laughs> like, how is how are these people missing you? These are the same people that are saying rock is dead. <laughs> I don't know. All right, so top five on five, five, five. And, of course, at number five, you got an artist that starts with five. 50 cents. So you can't make you can't make this stuff up. You just can't. The Massacre, uh, this album was, had peaked at number one. And, you know, at this point, if you haven't heard about 50 Cent, you live under a rock. The guys released five albums. All have broken the top five, by the way, on the Billboard 200. Two of them have been number one. He's been over 20 movies. And he's even produced his own TV shows from cable. So at some point, you have run into 50 Cent somehow. Mm-hmm. This album, six times platinum. His first album is at 9.3 million. Almost diamond. Wow. But can we get something straight? It's not 50 cents. It's 50. 50 cents. Oh, cent. sorry. 50 cents. So whatever. <laughs> at number four, we got a band called El Devo. This was their debut album. It topped out at number four. That was their peak. They're more like a vocal group, you know, part pop, part classical, part folk. They've released like 10 albums. This album had went platinum. And number three, we got a guy named Mike Jones with an album called Who Is Mike Jones? Debuted at number three. That was the highest it got. I don't know who Mike Jones is. Nobody listening does. He's a rapper from Houston. Does anybody care? Probably not. Well, not anybody. Does anybody listening care? Probably not. And number two, we got the mighty 
Mariah Carey with The Emancipation of Mimi, which had went to number one and was just kicked off because it was number one the week prior. So Mariah Carey started out in 1990 with a bang with her debut album, became one of the most successful acts really in music history. And in in the 90s, she was a literal household name. This album was her 10th studio release. And by the way, Mariah has six number one albums total. And at number one, we got Mr. Matchbox 20, Rob Thomas, with Something to Be. It debuted at number one. Jen's Heartthrob, first solo album. The album's got Lonely No More on it, which was a top 10 hit. It's basically a pop type album. So, uh, but there's some good songs on it. Out of these five, these are not five albums. I own one out of the five. And it's the one I'm going to pick. I'm going to default to Rob Thomas because I don't want Jen mad at me. How about you? <laughs> well, you're a smart man, Pooney. Yeah, I looked at these five and I was like, who the hell is Mike Jones? Just like the title says, I'm like, I've never heard of this person. So I had to go look him up. And I'm like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> Mariah Carey. Yeah. My favorite, and this is an honest favorite. My favorite out of these is the Rob Thomas something to be. Look, there's no, no line. Jen has gotten me into Rob Thomas and Matchbox 20 as a whole. I think they're, they write some really, really good melodies. And that's probably why they're so successful. And Rob Thomas can sing the phone book. I mean, he's great. And this record has so many great songs on it. Street Corner Symphony is one of my favorites off this record. Uh, This is How the Heart Breaks. Awesome. Ever the same. Fantastic ballad. So definitely Rob Thomas, something to be is my favorite out of these groups. Love you, baby. Just let me hold you and go more fall down So there you go. That's the Billboard 200 on 555. That is some ugly music. (laughs) It just makes me think, what the hell was I listening to in 2005? And I was in this kind of bang zone of rediscovering Motown and listening to a lot of top 40 boy bands. And I was listening to The Wiggles and Bob the Builder and, you know, Swiper, Stop Swiping because I had little kids. So... I, I really wasn't listening to this shit. <laughs> yeah, I have to be honest in looking at this chart uh, that tells me everything I needed to know about my musical taste in 2005. I, I don't think I was really listening to a whole lot of music back then other than my, you know, my classic albums that I had. So I was probably just listening to a lot of catalog shit at that time. I wasn't trying to discover new music at that time. I wasn't seeking out things that I missed. I was just caught in the grind, going to work day in and day out, listening to Van Halen one and, you know, kiss alive or whatever was the classic record of the time. So what else is going on in five, five, five in the NFL? So Super Bowl 39 just finished four months earlier. Patriots beat the Eagles 24, 21, which really kind of starts this Patriots dynasty that lasts for what, 15, 16 years. Mm-hmm. Dion Branch, the wide receiver, was the MVP, and it was Brady against McNabb. So, you know, pretty classic Super Bowl. McCartney played the halftime show because he was the quote unquote safe choice 
after the wardrobe malfunction of the year prior, if you remember, yeah. with Justin and Janet Jackson. <laughs> so they hired Paul McCartney to do the halftime show. The NBA, they're in the middle of the playoffs. And a month later, the San Antonio Spurs beat the Detroit Pistons for the championship. In baseball, season just started. The best record in the league is 21-7 and by the Chicago White Sox. Worst record in the league at the time is 6-19 and for the Colorado Rockies. The number one movie in America is, take a guess, 2005. Um, I have no idea. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. That was a horrible movie. <laughs> it was number one. All right. Number one song in the U.S. is, take a guess. It's Your Birthday by 50 Cent. <laughs> no. Hollaback Girl, Gwen Stefani, it says it's the first week at number one, and it gets on a four week in a row. The number one TV show in the U.S. is, take a guess. Uh, 60 Minutes. That is incorrect. Ah, damn it. You said it's always 60 <laughs> Minutes, you bastard. 60 Minutes ain't even in the top five. So number five is CSI Miami. Number four is Tuesday's American Idol. Number three is Wednesday's American Idol. Number two is Desperate Housewives, and I know Jen watched the hell out of that show, I'm sure. <laughs> and number one was CSI, the regular CSI. Yeah, that's what that was going to be my guess when you said Miami was number five. Well, the, uh, the national champions of football in 2005, any guesses? Was it Georgia? No. It was the year that Texas defeated USC. Vince Young ran that oh. touchdown in at the last second. Oh, okay, okay. I remember that. Yeah, that was uh, the 2005 National Championship. Wow. All right, well, let's connect it to KISS. You wanted the best and you got the best. The hottest band in the world, KISS! It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. So for the historic moment, KISS is not actively on tour on 555. Ace and Peter are permanently gone, and we still know today they're still gone. <laughs> so we're going to go with a cover of a Kiss song. So we've played a song or two off this before, but in 2005, a Kiss covers compilation was released called Gods of Thunder, a Norwegian tribute to Kiss. Some of the songs on that compilation, Detroit Rock City, done by Tony Harnell. There's a I Just Wanna by the Kissettes, Shout It Out Loud by Surferosa, whoever the hell that is. The Magic Kiss Medley, which had a bunch of songs connected by a band called Satin. The Come On and Love Me by a band called Small Town Rockets. But the one we're going to play, it's a different style, but here is the band called Span, which I know nothing about them, with their version of Parasite. <laughs> Lady, how is that? 
so Parasite's one of my favorite Kiss songs. This version of it, um, so it sounds like if Helmet was to do a cover of Parasite, because that's what it sounds like to me. They rearranged it, slowed it down. I don't know. I don't like it because it loses all its groove that Parasite has to me, and it just sounds funny. The delivery of the lyrics sounds weird, the way that they disrupted the melody. I don't know. It's not for me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Helmet does Parasite. That's what it sounds like. You people are dynamite! So nice little episode, 555, and Rock wasn't really ruling the charts. Not at all. Rock had taken a break. (laughs) Although, you know, look, there's some rock uh, that's involved, bands like Velvet Revolver and Motley Crue with Greatest Hits. You know what I've determined is there's always going to be Greatest Hits on the album charts, and they're always going to do well. Because I think the new generations come, and they don't want to go out and buy every record, and they don't know what they like and don't like, so they just get the Greatest Hits. And that's why those records do so well. And that's why record companies keep putting them out because they know this. We've talked about it before on here. So uh, it is what it is. But I could have just taken a break from 2005 in terms of music, I think. Yeah, and I think it happens. And we've talked about it before, right? You get into your, let's say, 25 to 45 age where your entire life is changing. Like if you're going to have kids, you pretty much have it then. If you're going to get married, pretty much have it then. If you're going to get divorced, you pretty much have it then. If your job is getting solid, your finances are hopefully getting a little more solid. You traveled a bit. You've lived a little bit of life. You've, you know, if you don't have kids, you at least have nieces and nephews. So you're the becoming the grumpy old man. Like all, all that's happening in that 20 years. So you're not really seeking out new music and you don't really give it a bunch of chances to hit you. And the amount of concerts I saw between 25 and 45 is maybe a third of what I saw between 16 and 25 and maybe a third of what I've seen from 45 to 52. It's just how it is. Yeah, no shit. You had a boatload of kids at home. Yeah. (laughs) But now, now, Pooney, you're empty nesters. That's right. We are going to experience some stuff. I've told uh, Nicole, and she told me, she goes, you know, she'll hang out with me and go to some concerts and blah, blah, but. You know, it's got to be a give and take. We're going to do a lot of different things. Some of the concerts I go by myself because she doesn't want to go. But anything that kind of hits something she may like, I'm definitely going to take her. Because, like, Richie Kotzen is playing, like, down the street here in a couple of months. Like, we're going to go see that. There's no reason to miss them. Boys to Men are going to be playing the casino here. There's no reason to miss them. We love Boys to Men, right? And so there's just not a whole lot of things stopping us except for us. Is she going to start doing uh, more with us again? I doubt that because that's just too much for her. Like she wants to go on a cruise, but she doesn't really want to do a music cruise. Uh, So great episode celebrating five years with Grown Up Rock podcast. We're going to do a special two weeks. This is week one next week. Spoiler alert. I won't tell you what the episode is going to be, but it'll center somewhere around the, the number five celebrating five years, right? That is correct. We got an interesting one next week for sure. So until then, thanks for listening. Thanks for five great years. Hopefully another five in our backyard. And uh, that's it. See ya. Later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys.
running free A little bit better than I used to be Cause I'm alive like garbage it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football fantasypoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points fantasypoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play whether you play fantasy football daily fantasy sports or do a little bit of everything fantasy points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 